What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the 5280 Podcast Minus Glenn, because he's a liar. He said a second, and that was like two minutes. Liar face. Oh, man. <laughs> two seconds in, and this podcast is already <laughs> off the rails. Already. 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 But no, welcome to the show. We appreciate you guys joining. Um, it's been it's been interesting. Uh, some interesting playoff wins, some interesting losses, interesting play calls. Uh, but first and foremost, I want to welcome to the world Mills Monson Delvecchio Kendall. Nick Kendall uh, had had well, he didn't have the baby. Nick and his <laughs> wife had the baby. If, uh, if, if Nick, Nick had the baby. I was going to say, if Nick had the baby, I, there's a few questions of my own. <laughs> yeah, Nick didn't have it. Uh, no, congrats, congrats to Nick uh, and yep. his wife on the birth of Mills. That is awesome. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, hey, Nick. Congratulations, Nick. And I can't wait to buy him a uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers jersey. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, let's, uh, let's, get into, <laughs> let's get into a little bit of playoff talk. Just give him um, one of yours. Playoffs. <laughs> so I think I'm pretty sure for the next two weeks, like all of Broncos country are Niners fans. Because yep. hell no to the Chiefs. Not again. Nope. Yeah. It's quickly how that transpired. <laughs> like quickly. Like I, I actually, uh, I, I know someone who uh, is a big uh, Lions fan. And she said that, uh, she said that like when it was 24 to seven, they were like at one point, like they were planning like the Super Bowl party, like, all right, let, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And then, uh, and you know, and obviously things transpired. The Niners obviously had 27 unanswered points. <laughs> and then um, it, it quickly just went from, you know, something like a Lions to Kansas City game to possibly like the moment Kansas City won to where like for us being Bronco fans, it was like, all right. Whoever won the NFC Championship game, that's going to be the team we root for, you know. And so, uh, and I didn't really have a rooting interest anyway with the NFC Championship game, but it was just like, okay, I guess this is exactly what it's going to end up being like. Um, and it's sure enough, it's going to be a rematch, if you will, of a Super Bowl that happened uh, a few years ago with uh, with the Chiefs and the 49ers. The only thing that's different, you got a much, 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 much more younger version of a. Jimmy Garoppolo there taking them to the Super Bowl instead of actually Jimmy Garoppolo. And one that can actually move. Yeah. Right? But you got yeah. like you got Greasy, Shanahan, Lynch, McCaffrey, and none of them are on the Broncos. Nope. Yeah, you know, and Cam, your friend, the moment they start making the grocery list during the game, I mean, I think she's probably to blame for what happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but Mike nailed it. You know, it's a, I personally was hoping for a Detroit Buffalo uh, Super Bowl. I thought it would be cool to have two teams that have never won, but the, the Denver and, and the Broncos connection uh, specifically with the 49ers is, is impossible to, uh, to ignore. Like, even if, <clears throat> even if the Ravens had won, it, you got to go for the, the Niners and, and hope that all four of those guys can get a ring. Well, and every like everything that's getting blown up in the media right now about Dan Campbell going forward on those fourth downs, like oh, that's yeah. that's six points, right? But to be fair, like Dan Campbell's done that all year. Like that's who Dan Campbell is. Yes, yeah. but you have to know the situation here, man. It's all about 
uh, I'm all for being aggressive, but you can't cut off your nose to spite your face, if you will, man. This is something that completely destroyed the Lions. They had the they had a chance to make this a three-score game with seven minutes and two seconds left in the fourth quarter. Or in the third quarter, excuse me. And they didn't do it, man. That could have essentially slammed the door and made this an insurmountable lead from the 49 for the 49ers to come back from. Yeah, they scored 21 unanswered points, but that didn't have to be the case at all. Dan Campbell, sometimes being sometimes being conservative is biting the kneecap off, man. That is the right decision. You stack points against a dominant team like the 49ers when they're on, and they were starting to get hot, man. You can't afford to be reckless. I can understand aggressive. This was reckless. And then he had a chance to make it a tied game later on at 27-all. He goes for on fourth down again and doesn't get it. So he doesn't learn from his mistake, and those who don't learn from their mistakes are doomed to repeat them. Yeah, and I, you know, and I obviously am not one to toot my own horn much, but like I did say that, like as far as like when we were previewing the game, I mean, like I, I just think that you know that was one of the things I was looking forward to. I mean, like how is it going to be, um, you know, with these fourth down calls? Like he didn't do it a lot, and granted, he does it, you know, a lot in games, but it was it was one where, like he. the moment that the fourth down happened, you know, with the, the the misconversion was that's when things just flipped on its head. And yep. and now the, the only argument that you can really make, you know, in terms of the fourth down calls, in terms of like just pure execution would probably be the first one. And that would be the Josh Reynolds one where they actually had a legitimate chance to actually convert that. The only the, the the only sad reality of it is if Josh or or if Reynolds actually hand catches that instead of alligator arms is you know arms is that catch, it's probably a conversion, right? And so we're not having that conversation. But you know the moment it happens, and, and this is the sad reality of you know being a content creator or anybody that's in the media. The sad reality of it is is that we know that who are the two people that's going to be getting the most blame of that? It's either the quarterback or it's the head coach, right? And it's, and so, yeah, it's just the sad reality of it, but you know, it did flip its head like quickly. And, you know, and at that moment, that's when the 49ers went and scored to get it to 24 to 17. And then right after that was the Jameer Gibbs uh, fumble. Right. And then at that, and then they tied it. And so everything just flipped at that particular moment on the Reynolds drop. And we got to talk about the absolutely insane catch Brandon Ayuk made on that subsequent oh. drive after the fourth down and two, man. That was insane. That is such a low probability play right there. And if that play doesn't happen, we probably aren't having this conversation. But the fact of the matter is, man, I can totally understand Dan Campbell wanting to follow that same MO. And I can understand that it may have been a high percentage play call, but at the end of the day, man, three score lead is a three score lead. That's that's just something that is inexcusable to me, despite how it may be justified. I can understand wanting to slam the door on the 49ers, but you can all but slam the door by just kicking that damn field goal. Mm-hmm. And what's yeah. interesting is that he really had an opportunity in the first half to completely put the game out of reach, but opted to kick the field goal right at the end. 
uh, of the second quarter. So it was very yeah. interesting what, uh, you know, what the, the thought process there. And, and like, like you referenced, Cam, the moment Reynolds dropped that pass, just the, it was a, the, the spiral had begun and it was that the comeback was in, in full force. I mean, it's just really disappointing. And, you know, you saw Campbell in the post game, you know, and, and you got to feel for him too, because he was holding all that responsibility on his shoulders. It was, it was, uh, he wasn't trying to sugarcoat it. He was, he, the guy was devastated for, for his team. And, you know, even making references to, I told the guys that you may never be back. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know if that's the, the smartest thing to say at that moment, but, um, you know, they, they had a great year, but it was just a, a very disappointing ending. And, and the Niners are going to have their hands full. Uh, Chiefs have really, really come alive. You know, I, mean, I, I get why he said that, though, right? Sorry, Cam. Mm-hmm. Like, basically what he said was, we're not going to surprise anybody anymore. Like, mm-hmm. no one is looking at us like the old Lions. So I, I get it. Like, everybody's going to be giving the Lions their best at all times. So. Yeah, and this is also sometimes even, uh, you know, with it that we, we can't be – we can't be criticizing the the Lions too much, right? Because like just them making the playoffs, winning the division, all these other things, like those are massive wins for the culture and the and the foundation that is being laid, you know, down there in Detroit. So these are all big, big victories this year. And the fact that you had a whole lot of first this year and you go into the NFC Championship game when no one in the right mind actually had you in the NFC Championship game. Like that is such a victory for this franchise and, you know, and kudos to, you know, a guy like Jared Goff. Obviously he didn't really play that well in the second half either, you know, but like he was also one of the key responsibilities uh, or key, uh, key ones that is responsible for them getting to that particular point, you know? And so the lions, man, I mean, kudos to them. And I'll tell you, they're very clearly building something that is special because there was a head coaching candidate, frankly, two head coaching candidates that may not actually be getting a gig this year, right? Uh, and I, I say that just because of Aaron Glenn, because Ben Johnson surprised everybody once again and pulled the loyalty card, right? He pulled the loyalty card, which you rarely see today in, in, in sports and, you know, in terms of a promotion to stay with the Lions. And that's rare. That's rare These this go around. So, I mean, like, Kudos to the Lions for building that that thing and building it really – and it's really special. Well, I, I will say this. I am a little bit disappointed that we're not going to have a who gets more screen time Super Bowl between Taylor Swift and Eminem. <laughs> like, yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, it, it would have uh, yeah. been great to have a rap battle of Eminem and Taylor Swift. It would have been perfect. Yes. Yes. No. Uh, but, yes, <laughs> speaking of – uh, ben Johnson, uh, the Detroit's offensive coordinator. Uh, the commander's officials were actually on their way to Detroit to meet with Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn when they got word that he's staying with the Lions. Um, he he wasn't really a lock for the commander's job, and I don't think he's in consideration for the Seahawks job. So, I, I, I mean, I guess I somewhat understand it from the viewpoint of if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, you have a much better shot with the Lions than you do with the Commanders, right? And, like, uh, Adam Schefter came out and said that he – like, Ben Johnson still has two years left on his contract. Nothing was adjusted. 
Like he didn't get a raise to stay. He didn't get an extra bonus. Nothing. He just decided to stay. I mean, he really feels that there's unfinished business there in Detroit, man. And I can't say I blame him. They have so much firepower on that offense with Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, Josh Reynolds, Sam Laporta. I mean, and they still have easily the best offensive line in football. I mean, this Lions offense is so loaded and if they can get a few kinks really figured out in their secondary on defense and some other things that they have a little bit of holes on team wise, they can really be a true, true championship team next season. But I will also say that sometimes these kind of losses in the manner that they lost them can be franchise breaking losses. You think about the Atlanta Falcons who never really recovered from Super Bowl 51. You think about the Carolina Panthers who never really recovered from Super Bowl 50. Obviously, this isn't losing the Super Bowl, but losing the NFC Championship game in the manner that they did, that this might be a loss that breaks that team. But knowing Dan Campbell and knowing the strong culture that he's built there, I'd like to hope that if there's one team that can maybe be immune to this, it is Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. So, and I don't mean to be very skeptical, but there's no way that they're not going to give him a bump in salary. Maybe they haven't <laughs> as of yet, but there's zero chance that he stayed and he's not going to get compensated for that. Yeah. Um, secondly, you know, there were rumors that he had really kind of outpriced himself. Yeah. You know, that he was, he was, I, I don't know if I, believe that a first-time head coach would be asking for 15 million a year but perhaps and there there were those kind of reports out there and maybe he got maybe he got some uh, intel that he wasn't going to be a lock for for the job and and uh and then you know he pulled out at that point but um you know it, it, these guys they want to be head coaches and he was the hottest name it just felt like that we were just waiting for that that commander's job to be filled once the Lions season ended. And so today did come as a shocker, but I'm I'm looking to I'm anxious to hear the rest of the story on why he really, really stayed. I yeah. I liked I, I liked that you brought up about the raise though, because especially when the news broke or also too where Bobby Slowick is staying. But also Bobby I didn't hear that. Oh, but Bobby Slowick is saying, but not just that, he also got a raise. So Slowick, yeah. So my my thinking is that you know if he's if he's staying, if Slowick is staying and he got a raise, and Ben Johnson is in a little bit better you know territory to possibly be a head coach, I'm probably asking for a raise too, knowing the fact that Slowick just got that race as well. So, um, but I I think that like for for Ben Johnson though, I feel like there's still part of me that is a little bit shocked. I mean, the fact that he's not a head coach in this cycle because now, and I should say, and the fact that it's possibly not even with the commanders, right? I mean, the commanders have a top five pick. He has the opportunity to get the, you know, get the team that he wants, possibly the quarterback that he wants, you know, and, and build it the way he, uh, that, you know, that he wants offensively. And it's an ownership group that they have a lot of money to work with. So I was a little bit surprised, you know, for something like this to happen. Um, but I, I like the fact that you touched on the money because I feel like, you know, with his 15 to 20 million asking price, if you will, like 
part of me does wonder about that. Like a part of me wonders, uh, you know, did it really scare off teams, right? Did it scare off teams possibly uh, for him to be a candidate? But also to that same point though, like maybe it didn't scare them off too much because they obviously interviewed him. Like teams obviously interviewed him, you know, so maybe it just, at the end of the day, it just was about loyalty, right? It just was about loyalty. And it was about the fact that he likes where things are going and, you know, and maybe this is just a, pure speculation but maybe we may be looking at it the wrong way and that dan uh, sorry um ben johnson doesn't necessarily view himself as a head coaching candidate because of the uh the pressures and the expectations that is all surrounded as a head coach and maybe he just he views himself as an offensive coordinator for you know five to seven years if you will and then he'll become you know that that head coaching candidate a little bit down the line so what we need is shanahan almost yeah I was going to say we need Magic Johnson to tweet the truth and, and because he, he generally comes, comes out with the truth bombs when it comes to the commanders. Just bring in Cat Williams. He'll tell everybody everything. That's fine. So so that leads us to the next question is who is Washington going to start looking at for a head coach? Because it sure seemed like that was a position that if any of us had to put money right. on, we were all going to go with Ben Johnson. You know, it's interesting. And – Maybe Gage and I had this conversation a little bit too in terms of the head coaching cycle, but it's like I wondered if Washington would circle it a little bit with Bill Belichick, right? You have the money, you have the, uh, you you have the, you have the money. Bring back RG three, woo! Or bring Bring back back Kirk Cousins. Bring bring back Secretary Jay Gruden and RG three get along so well. Well, I was going to say, and not to mention Kirk Cousins because they were in the same draft, you know. Dude, uh, and did you and did you hear what Kirk Cousins is wanting? Yeah, like two for 90. 90 mil guaranteed over two years. Yeah, two for 90. Um, That's actually low, like compared yeah. to what some of these other guys have gotten. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I wonder how desperate Washington will be. And that's and I, I bring up Bill Belichick because he's obviously not hired yet. They do have the money. You know, they have the money to work with. It's a new ownership group. I mean, I think there's certainly a possibility that maybe they go with, uh, you know, calling uh, Bill Belichick up or maybe even you go to Mike Vrabel, you know, like Mike Vrabel's certainly going to end up being an option. Um, And I I think the only reason why we're having this conversation in terms of Bill Belichick is because where did Raheem Morris come from? Like, where did Raheem? Like, where did Raheem Moore? I mean, kudos to Morris, you know, and getting the gig that he did there in Atlanta. But I mean, man, I'll, I'll tell you, like, that just that kind of took everybody off guard when Morris took the, the Falcons job. And the funniest thing about Raheem Morris is he was the Falcons interim head coach in 2020 after they fired Dan Quinn. So this is his second time around the block in Atlanta. They knew Raheem Morris. They basically knew what they were getting in Raheem Morris. And right. They still were like, all right, we're going to we're gonna go with that. We're going to pass on Bill Belichick. I really do believe that the thing that may have held things up here is how the relationship dynamic between Bill Belichick and Terry Fontenot, as well as Falcons team president Rich McKay would be. That's one thing that might have really turned things off, especially with McKay, because he's a very strong, dominating personality 
in the NFL. He's been one of the most notable executives in the NFL for a long time. So that might have been a conflict of interest there a little bit. Well, not conflict of interest, but it might have been conflict there for Bill Belichick. And as far as Washington's concerned, they've got a young budding GM in there in Adam Peters, a guy who has some Denver Broncos roots. I'm curious to see how Bill Belichick would feel working with a first-time general manager in Adam Peters and how much control would Peters really have if they brought in a guy like Bill Belichick who's had exclusive control for all those years in New England. So that is a really interesting conversation to have. That's why I think Bill Belichick is not the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons is because of the relationship dynamic between Rich McKay and Terry Fontenot and Bill. Yeah. So and let's these go teams through. May, these, I was going to say with Belichick, these teams may actually be shying away from him. If you think about it, he's only had one with all these available jobs. He had one interview and it was, or one team interviewing him and it was the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, the, the guy considered to be possibly the greatest head coach of all time is not really getting a sniff from some of these other teams. It really could use somebody with that experience. But there's a lot of stuff that goes along with Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick, as Gage mentioned, that had a lot of power for a long time. And if it doesn't seem that any team would be giving him any sort of extra duties outside of the head coach. And do you think he's not going to try to flex his muscles on an Adam Peters and, and try to pressure him and, and say, and, and he's the type of guy that's petty enough to maybe not play a guy that got drafted if he didn't want him, you know, he could, he could stash him away. And I think that that's one of the things that even Robert Kraft referenced the fact that if if Belichick had stayed and not been, uh, you know, the personnel guy or the, that that would have been, brought confusion to the organization. And that could be the case with some of these other places. And that perhaps is the reason that why they're not uh, interested in in bringing this guy. in. We're getting there. <laughs> All right, so let's hope go you're through, feeling better, Jeff. Let's go through the hirings so far, and this will affect the Broncos, Jay Bryan. So, <laughs> uh, there was eight teams looking for head coaches. We still have the Commanders and Seahawks that haven't hired anyone yet. Uh, Falcons, you mentioned Raheem Morris got hired as head coach. Panthers hired Dave Canales. Titans hired Brian Callahan. Patriots, Gerard Mayo. Raiders, Antonio Pierce, and then the Chargers, Jim Harbaugh, which, ouch! But the saving grace for the Raiders, and Gage called it, the Raiders hired Tom Telesco as their GM. Good luck. Yep. They're going to have the greatest IR ever, man. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of first-time head coaches, too, in that list that you named, Mike. Yeah. One, two, three, four, four. Yeah. Are you counting Antonio Pierce in that? I am. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It's uh it's gonna be interesting. I mean, and and we should start I, I should start first by congratulating the Chargers. I know that sounds really bad as a Bronco fan to say, <laughs> but but I mean like it, you know, we all doubted the fact. I know I did. I doubted the fact that you know, surely a Dean Spanos owned you know, franchise is going to, you know, put forth that money and actually, you know, hire, you know, Jim Harbaugh, but they did it, you know, they did it. I mean, we're, we're talking about the same team that, you know, is a rent a stadium with the Los Angeles Rams down there in SoFi or that they played in a soccer stadium full of 20,000 fans, which is even more fans than they actually have. 
In fact, 20,000 fans may be the most fans they actually have now because of the hire of Jim, of Jim Harbaugh. So <laughs> I, I think that like, so I, I think it's certainly possible. I think it's certainly possible, you know, that we're looking at it from a situation in terms of congratulating kind of like, you know, me, me being a Nebraska Cornhusker because fan congratulating the car on a bus for the fact that they were finally able to land Deion Sanders. Right. I mean, like no one ever really thought it was possible probably except for the, uh, you know, the chargers maybe themselves, but the fact that they were to go through with it, they were able to hire Jim Harbaugh. I mean, it, it's a scary combination because now you're putting Harbaugh with the, the likes of a Justin Herbert who he can probably work with. And I think Harbaugh possibly saw some similarities to, how he viewed the Chargers. I mean, like he played for Michigan, he played for the Chargers. So, I mean, like maybe he saw some of the similarities and maybe at the end of the day, I don't know if we got a chance to see the money, if you will, but maybe money wasn't that big of a deal, right? Maybe it wasn't uh, that big of a deal. And so he went to the Chargers and yeah, and pretty clearly they hired a general manager that he's willing to work with. Yep. Yeah, I'm not even going to bring up still Hey, Mike, can you please well, make just, a grab? I'm, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave this right here. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I did want to ask if you can make a graphic that's a little scoreboard for that we can uh, count every time Cam makes a Nebraska Cornhusker reference. I mean, I think we're at two already. I don't know if I can minutes, count so. that high, man. I think we're. At <laughs> I've three. only got ten fingers. Three. At least you're honest, right? <laughs> Um, all right. So one other thing I wanted to talk about, and there, there's a reason behind it, because Ryan Edwards made a comment on this post from Tom Pelissero that the Steelers are expected to hire former Falcons coach Arthur Smith mm-hmm. as their offensive coordinator. And Ryan Edwards said, Pittsburgh looking like more of a fit for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean. Could there be a trade between Denver and Pittsburgh for Russell. I don't think so. I just don't think Russ is tradable, man. That contract is virtually untradable. Uh, I think that Russell will get released and he could sign with Pittsburgh, but I don't think a trade happens. I just don't. Gage, we could trade Russ straight up for Najee because Arthur Smith would not use the star running back in any in any case shape or form so. <laughs> May or, as well throw uh, george pickens in there and pat fryermuth too because yeah. those guys aren't going to get used either yeah. well i was going to say or uh warren right uh the the running back or just give us you know warren um i the trade is like I, I mean if you were looking at it from like just what would what would suit us the best is it it's obviously a trade it's just not going to happen like it, it's just it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, and, um, I, cause like the thing is, like, because of that contract and because of the contract that he signed, this is kind of the funny part of it, if you will. Russ is going to have to restructure that contract for a team to, for a team to, uh, you know, trade for him. Like, that's, that's kind of like the funny part of this. So he won't restructure for the Broncos, right? Like, he won't restructure for the Broncos. But you are going to have to restructure for a team that you want to go for or, and be traded to. And you probably have to waive, oh, that no trade clause to a team that you, again, want to go to. And if he wants to go to the Steelers, you know, so it, they, there's just a lot of, you know, manipulating if you're, you know, Russ to go to the team that you want. So, I mean, ideally in, a, in that perfect world, you, you want Russ traded. It's just, it's just not going to happen. 
Uh, and then the Broncos also make some other moves um, between New Orleans and Denver. Uh, you've got former Saints assistant scouting director Cody Rager coming in at a VP role. Um, do we know what that is? Is he like assistant GM now or what? He I is. Go ahead. Oh, he is the vice president of football operations, I believe. Okay. Uh, player personnel. Or player personnel, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, so. they're also bringing in former Saints OC Pete Carmichael. Do we know what his role is? Senior offensive assistant. Or okay. analyst, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or analyst, okay. It was just a matter so of time um, before Pete came, right, Gage? Yeah, absolutely. I think Pete Carmichael is always destined to come here. One of Sean Payton's top assistant for all of his years in New Orleans. That makes a whole lot of sense. And I heard a former quarterback, Chase Daniel, who was Drew Brees backup in New Orleans under Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael said that the straw that stirred the drink on offense outside, of course, of Drew Brees was the three-headed monster of Sean Payton, Joe Lombardi, and Pete Carmichael. All of those guys are now back together again here in Denver. So here's hoping that that could be a big fit. I see a lot of Saints fans that are giving us a lot of crap about hiring Pete Carmichael because he didn't do very well in his couple of years without Sean Payton as the Saints offensive play caller. But in the years that he was there with Sean Payton, serving as the offensive coordinator, having the heavy hand in play design and personnel and all that stuff, The Saints offense was extraordinarily successful, even without Drew Brees. That's the part that a lot of Saints fans seem to forget is that Sean Payton had winning records with Teddy Bridgewater, who went 5-0 as a starting quarterback, Mm -hmm. Taysom Hill, and Jameis Winston. Oh, and even Trevor Simeon and Ian Book. He was able to win games with all of those guys. I mean, Sean Payton was able to get the best out of every single quarterback he's coached. He got the best out of Russell. Uh, let's just call it what it is. A washed up Russell Wilson. Uh, I hate to use that word, but I kind of have to just comparing it to what Russell Wilson was in the NFL to what he was in Denver last year. Sean Payton got the best out of that version of Russell Wilson. So I genuinely feel like when it comes to the new Orleans saints and bringing in Pete Carmichael, that whole tandem is going to, really do well with whatever quarterback we bring in, be it maybe a Jameis Winston that (laughs) looks even more possible now. And then obviously whatever rookie we do end up taking in the draft. Yeah. And I mean, even for that, I mean, Pete Carmichael was even a name without Joe Lombardi. Carmichael was a guy that was being speculated for the offensive coordinator position. So it really was just about, you know, Carmichael or is it going to be Lombardi? Like who are these going to be? Who are these options that are possibly going to be offensive coordinators? So it sort of felt like maybe there was a, you know, the writing was on the wall. The writing was on the wall, possibly that Carmichael was going to end up with the Broncos one way or another, you know, and it was all dependent upon what was going to be happening in the 2023 season. And now we know. And I think the thing that, you know, we, we, we need to further it a little bit more and, you know, to any of those Saints fans that are even clamoring and, and you know, clowning us, if you will, you know, in the mention saying, oh, wow, this is a, you know, why, why are you guys actually like talking about this move when he was complete trash in 2023 or, you know, even before that, like you realize he's coming in as a senior offensive analyst. He's not calling plays like 
Like that's the important, he is not calling the plays, right? Joe Lombardi is the offensive coordinator and Carmichael is coming in. And again, like this is Sean Payton's show. Like he is calling the shots. And if there was any evidence for anyone to understand that this is Sean Payton's team, go up and down that roster and find out everybody that he has poached from the New Orleans Saints, both on that coaching staff and possibly even some players that even have come from the Saints. And this is not the final, you know, piece of the puzzle as far as some Saints players that are be, you know, going to be coming to Denver. I mean, Taysom Hill, let's link the let's link them a little bit. And, and Taysom Hill is possibly going to end up being a, a possibility for the Broncos at some point because of the connection with Pete Carmichael. So this is not the end. This is absolutely not the end as far as the the Denver Saints, if you will. Can you imagine if you uh, worked for the Saints or played for the Saints and Sean Payton didn't want you? Like you, you must feel like a complete failure because everybody's shifting over. But um, you know, I did want to mention uh, Joey Richards is in the chat, and we appreciate Joey popping in, especially considering that he's down in Mobile for the senior, uh, the senior bowl this week. Um, so check out JR Drafts on on Twitter for all the uh, in person senior bowl information. Yeah, and that's kind of where I wanted to spin this was going to okay, not not that, but Mark from Georgia, what's up? Um, <laughs> I did kind of want to spin it into obviously we're going to start talking uh, draft, um, not super heavy right now because we got a lot of time before that happens. Uh, still got the Super Bowl too, uh, but Cecil Lammy and Benjamin Albright were some some tweets that I was kind of reading and going over and getting some information from. Uh, and Cecil, who I believe is at the Senior Bowl as well, isn't he? Yes, he was. He tweeted and said that there is a belief by many in the scouting community that Sean Payton has something cooking for the early portion of the NFL draft. People that he trusts do not see Denver waiting for a falling quarterback. They'll move up to get one. Um, but Ben Albright says – I don't know for sure what they're doing, and I don't think they know for sure what they're doing at this point. The conversations that he's had left me with the impression that they didn't feel trading up to the top three was even feasible. It doesn't mean they won't move up, but it doesn't seem like the top three is feasible. And at this point, what would it take to even move up to the top three? Because Albright is also saying that Denver is not trading Sertan. Sertan is going nowhere. So do we even have the ammo to move up to the top three? Because if you go based off of like last year's trade up just to like six, it was like three first round picks, a couple seconds, and then a couple players. Like it was a lot. Yeah. And it's going to sound repetitive because we've had this conversation before, Yeah, uh, you know, but like that's exactly, that's, that's what it's going to, that that's what it's going to end up having to be centered on. Like, and we've had this conversation before is like, you know, it will have to end up being a Pats or Tan conversation. And it's probably the Jalen Ramsey package, right? I mean, you know, the the, the two first-round picks. So it, it's going to be centered on that because, like, that's exactly the starting point, if you will. And that's just, that's just the unfortunate nature. I think where possibly there's that common ground and the middle uh, part of this is the fact that we may be entering the, the, the conversation of, they may not be trading trading up for a quarterback, but the Broncos may be actually uh, gearing themselves for the possibility of them actually taking a quarterback. I think that's the conversation is that, 
you know, certainly, yeah, they may not be trading up for a quarterback, but if they stay put at 12, you can still get that quarterback and that quarterback possibly that you want, which, I mean, I, I, I've certainly been on that, on that, you know, you absolutely have to take the quarterback if he is there, you know, narrative, like you have to swing on that quarterback and one particular quarterback that has been rather on that radar in terms of mock drafts and so on and so forth is that Oregon quarterback named Bonex like that. That is a very, very popular name right now. So if you stay at 12, you possibly can still be able to take your guy and that your guy, at least right now is Bonex. I yeah, thought you were going to say Scott Frost, but Mike, can do you mind Jesus. pulling up? Do you mind pulling up Graham's comment yeah. that he that he tweeted and, and reading Graham, that? Because Graham says every Broncos team source I've talked to today is completely bewildered by where all these trade rumors are coming from. Take that for what you will, and that was from Albright. From Albright. So yeah, Albright and Cecil, I feel like I've had a lot of contradicting information <laughs> yeah. over the last few days. I do know that there is a little bit of a precedent here for a trade up from 12 into, I'm going to say the top four would be an interesting possibility. We were talking about this in a text last night. So what would have to happen there basically is the Patriots decide, okay, we have so many holes on our roster right now. Let's get a, a sure thing, a blue chip player at number three overall and take Marvin Harrison Jr. A lot of mocks are mocking Arizona to take Marvin Harrison, assuming that the Patriots go with like a Jaden Daniels at three. So if that scenario doesn't happen and Arizona is going to be in an interesting spot here where maybe they would want to trade down. The Cardinals last year actually did end up trading down. They were at the number three overall pick, and the Texans, who were at 12, came up to three with the Cardinals. They sent pick number um, they sent pick number three and number 105. Um, oh, sorry, they sent number um 12, 33, a first round pick in 2023 or in 2024. Yeah, sorry, 12. 33 first round pick in 2024 and third round pick in 2024 and they received number three and number 105 sorry i don't know why i couldn't get that out so that's kind of the precedent that i feel like is set there if you were to maybe trade up with a team like the arizona cardinals this trade up would be for a guy like Jaden daniels in this given scenario you would still have to get second round draft capital the question then becomes, do the Broncos have players to get second-round draft capital in maybe a Justin Simmons, for example? That's the guy I can think of off the top of my head that might net you a second-round draft a draft pick, but not to the caliber of the number 33 overall pick, a very premium second-round pick. So the Broncos still may be a little bit out of being able to bid up for this, but there are scenarios where it could happen. I feel like so that didn't seem is... like crazy compensation either, Gage. Like the to move that far up last year. I mean, it's it's certainly it's certainly more than I was uh, was certainly less than I was expecting. I have it drummed up in my head that it's going to be, you know, just so heavy on the the picks and you know perhaps some players to move up. Um, you know, Joey also mentions that JJ McCarthy is going earlier than people expect. If you're if you're still in the chat, so Joey like. Give us an idea of what you're thinking. How far, uh, how high is he planning on? How, would you expect JJ to go? 
would he be going before 12? Well, yeah. there, there are a couple questions that I have. And one, I, I think we've talked about this before, but let's say that Denver stays at pick 12. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a Bo Nix. You're looking at a J.J. McCarthy. Is that too high to draft those guys? Um, I, I It's a great question. It's a, it's a great question, but it still falls into the conversation of do they love the prospect? Like, do they love the prospect? We don't know that answer, but it still falls into the definition of do they love Bo Nix? Do they love J.J. McCarthy? We obviously don't know that answer, but if you love either one of them, take them 100%. And if you love them, you know, more than, you know, say a certain tackle, right? I think Tyler Guyton is another uh, name that's, you know, been, you know, floated around at least of today right now. And because he's been so successful with the, uh, at the senior bowl, like that, he's an offensive lineman. Like maybe the Broncos actually will love Guyton maybe a little bit more than say a Bo Nix or a JJ McCarthy. Well, again, like if you love Guyton more than a McCarthy and a Nix, take Guyton. Like it, to a certain extent, and like I, I'm not going to pull the George Payton, you know, quote that he said was Sertan, but if they loved Sertan, right, when which they did and they passed on Justin Fields, you still have to take that player you fell in love with, and that being Sertan. Okay. And I think the second question I have, and this, doesn't it's not directly about the Broncos, but it could affect the Broncos, and that's the Chicago Bears number one pick. Like there, it's it's <clears> interesting <throat> in what they could do because everybody's putting Caleb Williams as the number one pick. So my question is: Is Chicago better with Caleb Williams over Justin Fields, or stick with Justin Fields and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. first? Which one is like? Does Chicago get better getting Caleb Williams? Or pairing Justin Fields with Marvin Harrison Jr. I think either way, it's almost a lottery ticket. It's like, is Fields going to develop into that high-end player? He showed a lot more promise this season for sure. I feel like Justin Fields is starting to develop into a little bit more of a higher-level NFL caliber quarterback. But at the same time, even if Justin Fields reaches his ceiling, he's going to be like the... 12th, 13th best quarterback in the NFL. Caleb Williams has the potential to be a top five quarterback with his talent. I feel yeah. like you can't pass on the opportunity to bring that caliber of player in, in let's just be honest, a weak NFC. If the Chicago bears can acquire talent in a comparatively weak NFC, then they have a chance to be something really, really special here. If they can get that right quarterback who could alone make them a contending squad in a sense, then that's almost a no brainer. They already have a number one wide receiver in DJ Moore. I feel like at this point in time, yeah, I I could see the idea of pairing someone like a Justin Fields with a Marvin Harrison, but it's how high of a ceiling is your team really going to be with a guy like Justin Fields when you have an opportunity to draft Caleb Williams and then use your own first round pick later on to add more talent to your team. Maybe you'll be in a position to draft someone like a Malik neighbors or somebody like that. I don't know if Malik neighbors would be there at that point when Chicago picks, but who knows? That's a possibility. Well, and and the reason I asked that question is because depending on what Chicago does, let's say that they don't go quarterback. Let's say that they draft something else, tackle receiver. I, I don't know, whatever they want to draft. That then drops Caleb Williams down to the number two pick. 
which drops May down, which drops Daniels down, which then gives you the option that if you went up to four, you could you would have a shot at Daniels. Because let's I, say that let's say Chicago goes Williams and then Commanders go May and then New England goes Daniels. Honestly, Mike, I don't think if Chicago is not going to take a quarterback, they're going to trade out of that spot. Yeah, in my, in my agreed. Right. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, depending on what Chicago does, could shake up and drop a quarterback to us if we went to four, or you know what I mean? Like, there's there's lots of options depending on what they're going to do. Well, I well, think if sure. Chicago were to trade down, then I don't know if any quarterbacks would drop. I think a quarterback would still go number one overall. Yeah. It would still be Caleb uh, yeah. Williams, number one overall. It would still be Drake May, number two. And I'm going to probably assume Jaden Daniels goes number three overall. He's my love child in this year's <laughs> draft. But I've heard a lot of rumors saying that the NFL feels the same way that I do about Jaden Daniels. They're really high on him. And he could go even before Drake May in some scenarios, according to Benjamin Albright. Yeah, uh, when uh, just re- with the with this, it, it's going to be status quo. It doesn't really matter. Like if if a team goes and trades up for him, uh, for a Caleb Williams, you know, I mean, it it's very easily at that point still going to probably end up being one, two, and three. Um, I, I think that my conversation piece as far as Caleb Williams or Justin Fields, it's just it's just centered on the situation. One of my biggest concerns with Justin Fields going to Chicago and it's to a certain extent somewhat played out in Chicago is him rotting down there in Chicago just the same way as a guy like a Sam Darnold or even a Zach Wilson down there with the Jets right and like now he's definitely gotten better you know which you certainly have can't you 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 could not have said for a guy like a Darnold or even a you know or a Zach Wilson he's actually gotten better right but like for Caleb Williams, you can be a projected top five quarterback in the league, but you can still, because of the resources that you've been given, still rot down there in Chicago. So the situation still has to be perfect, you know, for for Caleb Williams. And and when you are the number one overall pick in Chicago, let's just say Chicago does take them, the smart-minded person you would think would be like, oh, we drafted Caleb Williams at pick number one. Let's build around him. Let's actually build around him. And that is obviously something that Chicago, let's be honest, has not done except for, say, you know, the maybe the last couple of years or even last year when they finally decided, oh, you know what, let's trade and get DJ Moore down here in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Joey puts JJ is 21 years old with no physical deficiencies and wins. I think he goes top 15 when it's all said and done. The words blue collar and winner will be flipped 15 times each by these scouts. Uh, and the one thing I, I don't remember who I saw it from, but the one thing I did see was they were measuring arm strength of quarterbacks. And J.J. McCarthy was below Williams, May, Daniels, I think Penix in, in arm strength. He was graded like a C minus. See, I, 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 I disagree. I, I actually well, see. And see I, yeah. and I love JJ McCarthy. That's what, yeah. what I'm saying. I, I don't know. I I think he's got a. I think he's got a cannon for an arm. I I, I think he's got a great arm. I, and and this is why kind of like when Gage and I were in this conversation, it was like that's the fun conversation the Broncos are going to be finding themselves in because like there's a lot of directions they can go 
to find that franchise quarterback. They can go the Jordan Love route, which is like that is possibly the J.J. McCarthy route. Like that is possibly the J.J. McCarthy route to where you do sign a Jacoby Brissett. You sign, <clears throat> sorry, Pro Bowl quarterback Gardner Minshew possibly to your <laughs> roster. Uh, you know, you know, so you could bring him on your roster, or you could just you, you know you could keep Jarrett Stidham, you know, and roll with him for a few games, and then uh, and then roll with JJ McCarthy. But like, so it's a fascinating conversation. But I also think that the Josh Allen comparisons, you know, are a little bit too extreme. But you know, he's a he's a gamer, and I think that the thing that we have to keep in mind is the fact that he is twenty one, and it was a system that. When when Harbaugh was asking them, it was about a run heavy offense to where like that was the offense that he was tasked to run. That was the offense he was tasked to run. But what he needed to make a play, it's the reason why you won the national championship. When you when you they needed him to make the play, he actually did it on an on a weekly basis. He went out and actually won those games. And there's a reason why possibly like a guy like Jim Harbaugh really feels like he may be the best quarterback in Michigan history. Yeah, uh, and one of the things I did say when I was watching the national championship, J.J. McCarthy's windup looks a lot like Tim Tebow, like that really slow windup, and then boom, it's just out. I don't know about that. I, <laughs> I I don't know about that. Let's bring back Tim Tebow. <laughs> Woo! Like Mike just brought the show to a screeching halt. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, anything else? Broncos draft or Broncos related that you want to talk about? No, it's just, it, oh, I okay. think, I think the conversation isn't necessarily so much for what it would be today, but it would just be what's going to happen conversation wise, uh, you know, you near, near the end of the week. Right. I mean, like near that the end will of the week, definitely it, happen. Cause you know, this is going to be this, this is senior bowl week. Right. And everybody's going to be, you know, making the, you know, the rounds of, you know, maybe if they don't take a quarterback, there's certain other positions that they that they certainly can go after, right? I mean, so it's certainly possible. Edge rusher, interior D-line, number two corner. Offensive uh, line. Can, offensive line. You can think of a lot of positions of need, but I've said this repeatedly. The Denver Broncos have pissed around for the last eight years trying everything except trading up or waiting for your guy to fall into your lap. They have done everything except for that. I guess I'm not counting Paxton Lynch. I'm just not counting that because that wasn't a move the needle kind of move. It just wasn't. Let's just be honest here. He, that when Paxton Lynch got here, you could tell from the absolute get go, his head wasn't in the game. The Broncos will not make that mistake again. They will do their homework with the personal side of the player that they draft this year. And the Broncos can't afford to try these band-aids with second round quarterbacks or any of this. They have to swing for the fence for the fences. They can't be spooked out of it just because the Russell Wilson move didn't work. Mm -hmm. And the logic to trade for Russell Wilson was absolutely sound. And the contract, you can say whatever you want about it. That's all in the past right now. But the move to trade for Russell Wilson, absolutely sound. You have to make that same caliber of move if you are going to land your franchise quarterback. That's why I am a proponent of moving whatever it takes in order to get that guy. 
if it's through my scenario of going up to number four to get a Jaden Daniels, if he's there, you do it. If you are somehow able to get the sufficient capital, which I just don't think they're going to unless they trade Pat Sertan. And even then, according to the way Benjamin Albright was talking yesterday. But if that move is there to be made, you make the move. Yeah. And I mean, we should, you know, bring back this, the, 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 the topic as far as like, we also have to keep in mind who's going to be, who's picking behind us. We have to keep in mind who's picking behind us. And that is the Las Vegas Raiders. So, I mean, we have to be thinking like, okay, if the Raiders could be taking it, possibly taking a quarterback, you know, and it's possibly, you know, maybe a bonix scenario without even trading up. I mean, like you, you will find yourself in sometimes, and as much as desperation puts you in a really bad situation, it's okay to be desperate for a quarterback. Like it, you know, cause you're taking that swing, you're taking that swing for that quarterback. And so the fact that the Raiders are picking behind us, frankly, could force the Broncos to make that move, to make that move to either trade up or take uh, stay put and actually take that quarterback at 12. Agreed. Well, that was, that was one of the, the question I just, I just thought of that I'd, didn't write down if if you look between the cardinals and the broncos like we're all assuming that mccarthy and Knicks are just going to be there at 12 and we can just draft them but is there any team between arizona and denver that is in need of a quarterback or any team after denver that's desperate enough to move up over us to get a quarterback because we i mean you could be seeing denver move up to four to get mccarthy or Knicks. I'd say Atlanta definitely is quarterback needy right now. I would say that um, possibly the Tennessee Titans, depending on how they feel moving forward with Will Levis, how the new regime feels about Will Levis, that could be an intriguing one. Um, I've also seen scenarios where a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers could trade up. I've seen mock drafts where that could happen. There are teams out there that – are sick and tired of pissing around much like the Broncos have for the last eight years. They are ready to go up and make an aggressive move to get that guy. And that's why I think Cecil Lammy put out that tweet. And that's why he's hearing this at the senior bowl, because there are other teams that are also willing to be aggressive. Sean Payton and George Payton know this, and they're going to have to be prepared to make that move if necessary, because this is the probably the best chance the Denver Broncos are going to have in the Sean Payton era to get their franchise quarterback. Even next season, if they bring in a Band-Aid bridge quarterback or roll with somebody like a Jarrett Stidham, I think this team will win enough games to not be in a position to draft a franchise quarterback. We have that chance right here, right now. We have to do it. So can you Bring see- Stage's love child to Denver. Get that love child. Yeah. Bring so Jaden Daniels to Denver, damn it. <laughs> can you see five quarterbacks going in the top 10? Yeah, well, not top 10, but I can see five quarterbacks being taken in the draft in general. I can no, see I'm, it, I'm honestly. saying top 10. Because oh, when you got Williams, 10? May, Daniels, Knicks, McCarthy, maybe even a Penix. Like, could, you see, could you see five going in the top 10? I don't think Penix goes in the top 15. I've even heard rumblings Penix doesn't go in the first round. I've heard there are a lot of teams that are concerned about Michael Penix 
from a talent perspective as well as a medical perspective. I'd be curious mm-hmm. to see if Joey, if he's still in the chat, has heard anything while he's down at the Senior Bowl. I want to get in touch with some of my sources that I have out at the Senior Bowl as well and see if they've heard anything about what scouts might be saying about Michael Penix because if he's somebody that could be um, – that could be falling down the reins to the second round. Maybe the Broncos traded in the second round to get him. I know I said that the Broncos can't afford to piss around to do that, but if the Broncos think that they can, that's a scenario I'd keep an eye on is moving up into the second round to get a Michael Penix. Well, and and Ben Albright also said that was it Ben? I think it was Ben Albright that said there's a lot more fan hype for Penix than there is in NFL circles. Yeah, so, I agree. Would, would Denver even want to take Penix? I, Th- that's that's why I'm asking. Like with all these teams wanting or needing a quarterback, could we see? Like, would we have to trade into the top ten to even get one? I mean, yeah. I have a second round grade on Penix, so he'll like. I don't know. I think he'll be there in the second round. And and let's just say that it's a. It would be the battle of the Michaels at this point, because I mean, like, uh, and why do I say that? Is because. The Broncos may actually find themselves in a draft bidding war with the Saints to possibly draft Michael Pratt from Tulane. That's the other quarterback that I feel like, uh, you know, is going under the radar with all of this because Pratt is a guy that he's obviously been to. He's obviously from Tulane. He started all four years. He's gotten better every single year at Tulane. I mean, the the area scout that's coming in, you know, to the you know, to the Broncos, it's possible there had already been some previous conversations at, in that Saints uh, in that Saints front office about this idea of Pratt, you know, going to the Saints and something along those lines. So Pratt is a guy that frankly could be a, a, a quarterback that the Broncos target. He's a phenomenal inter- intermediate thrower. I think he's got a lot of potential to him to where he can be uh, like that starting level quarterback. Frankly, he does remind me to a certain extent of like a Jared Goff. I mean, like he, like he really has kind of like that type of style game to him. He, and obviously, when you're younger, you add a little bit more mobility to his game. But Michael Pratt, in my in my opinion, is a name that will be flying under the radar and will not be getting as much uh, love, if you will, you know, with Broncos country because you know there'll be so much focus on Penix and McCarthy and Knicks. You know, and, and those types of quarterbacks, or even some of the guys that they may even trade up for. But Pratt is a name that I would absolutely file away. Could That's Michael funny. Pratt almost be like the Desmond Ritter of this year's draft class, where it didn't feel like Ritter was going to be drafted as high as he was? I'm not comparing this, obviously, to the 2022 quarterback class, which was absolute booty cheeks, but. Desmond Ritter ended up being the second quarterback off the board in that quarterback class. Could Michael Pratt oh be a similar God. guy where maybe he goes ahead of a Michael Penix Jr.? Absolutely. I am praying Jeez. that I'm saving that one. Like, <laughs> I'm praying that a short gets made and then the uh, word booty Absolute. cheeks gets printed on it. It is now. Absolute <laughs> booty cheeks. I mean, what was the timestamp on that? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, like there, there is always a scenario. I mean, Gage, you, you, you know this. I mean, like with, with the draft, there is always a scenario where someone or a quarterback, a, you know, or any prospect will slide. Like, you know, and we'll find. I think that the one one specific reason why you possibly will see that is the medicals. 
and, and the, the the medicals from Penix. That's the only reason, or I shouldn't say the only reason. That is a reason why a guy like Pratt could possibly be taken ahead of you know Penix. And there's been some there's been some talking like let's just say there's merit, right? Let's just say that there's merit to this idea that Penix is going to go uh, day two, and day two would be round three, right? Like let's just say he he goes round three. Well. The Michael Pratt range, I would imagine, is possibly that day two range, right? So I think that there's certainly a scenario that's out there where Pratt can go ahead of Penix. Uh, and Spencer Rattler's been thrown in that conversation too, uh, as far as like top three rounds. I mean, there were some a couple of years ago, man, Spencer Rattler was thought of as a potential number one overall pick. I mean, the talent's there. The talent is definitely there with Spencer Rattler. Uh, Joey also brought up something to think about. Cush is a free agent. Bowles is after this season. And Powers' contract is easy to get out of after this season. Very notable. I will say this. I would have preferred Glasgow over Powers. Not Glasgow. uh, Reisner. Reisner. Sorry. (laughs) Other side. Glasgow, Glasgow was right. It's interesting because I feel like both of those players left Denver and both played better. I mean, I actually feel like Graham Glasgow played better than Dalton Reisner did this year in Detroit. Like Graham Glasgow was arguably a top five guard this Mm -hmm. year for Detroit. He was absolutely phenomenal. And I did not see that coming after his couple of years in Denver. I mean, especially, especially in 2022, I mean, he was fine, but he wasn't somebody who I thought had top five guard potential. I was perfectly okay at the time with the Broncos letting Glasgow go. I think they saved $10 million or something like that. It was a pretty substantial amount of money by letting Glasgow go at the time. It was the same time that they cut Ronald Darby and I was okay with it then. So for me, it's kind of like hindsight's 2020 on that one. And then as far as Dalton Reisner concerned, he's really beloved in Minnesota. They really like him up there. I still feel like Ben Powers is a better player than Dalton Reisner is. Dude, was Glasgow left or right in Detroit? Glasgow was right. Okay, so he's, yeah. He's he done was, a little bit of it all, behind. but mostly right. Okay, so he would have been behind Miners. So, yeah, that, that's why I said Reisner because he was on the well, left. And, and for Reisner, let's I, – I you know, we, we love the guy. He's a friend of the show. But you also have to, you know, remember he, he regressed. I mean, this is a sad thing. He regressed – in, in his time in Denver, he, he got worse as the years were progressing. And that's the reason why we moved on from him. Like that was one of the big reasons why we moved on from him. And, you know, and so they went out and had to spend money on that guard position. And Ben powers was the best, one of the best guards, if not the best guard on the market. And so you're going to, you know, make sure that that happens. And actually, I don't think Ben powers actually played that bad. Um, I think the, re- I think one of the reasons why it maybe looks really bad is you know the fact of what we saw in preseason right because mm-hmm. in preseason it was really really rough mm-hmm. and you know and the offensive line in general you know i'm curious to see what the growth is going to end up being and if it is true and to what joey was mentioning earlier it go it gives credence possibly to this idea of what george payton talked about and you know and then bringing up alex forsyth you know what i mean like there's still a a possibility that this offensive line, which to many people's standards was top eight, like top 10 offensive line, which 
there, I mean, like, so it's certainly possible that this Broncos offense line can grow together, like grow together and, you know, become a rather solid unit with a quarterback. And they hate to, again, connect the dots, but if they do go out and get an Alex Forsyth, guess who just so happened to have been that quarterback in 2022 down there in Oregon? Bo Nix. I mean, like, so it's certainly possible. And I mean, like, that transition will just be only that much easier for a guy like Bo. Mm hmm. And Graham just letting uh, us know that uh, Harbaugh is apparently getting Ben Johnson money, so that's good. Uh, good to know. That's a little lower than I was expecting for him, quite honestly. Not quite Sean Payton twenty million dollar money. Yeah. I, I thought he was going to be up there uh, or more. Uh, was, you know, he wanna, for, was he asking for twenty five? Like last cycle, someone, someone, wait, the market will get ridiculous to where someone actually will be getting a twenty five million dollar head coaching contract. I will say, you know, Jim Harbaugh is a proven winner. He's one at the mm -hmm. college level. He's one at the NFL level. But there's still that level of skepticism for me that this is going to work just because it's the Chargers. <laughs> that organization always finds a way to fuck it up somehow. They yep. always do. I don't understand how this Chargers organization has managed to take a 14 and two team that was led by Marty Schottenheimer. They made the reckless decision to fire him after that 14 and two season. Here's hoping this organization has learned that when you have a good coach in the building, you a give him the adequate resources that he needs to succeed. And then B you get out of the way and let him do it. Will this Chargers organization be patient with what Jim Harbaugh wants to build? Yes, they have talent, but they have a lot of aging talent. Joey Bosa is getting up there, and he's got a lot of injuries under his back pocket. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, I mean, yeah, I am very skeptical with how this Thanos ownership is going to manage a coach like Jim Harbaugh. The last time they had a coach of this caliber in Marty Schottenheimer, they fired him. So I'm very curious to see how this goes. And I, it's much like I always give the Chargers this, I'll believe it when I see it mentality. Same thing with the Dallas Cowboys. I like what they're building, but I'll believe it when I see it. And you I mean, the hope fact that, that Tom Telesco does the same thing to the Raiders that he did to the Chargers. The fact that there's a, a phrase, Chargers going to Charger. No other team has a phrase quite like that. Um, that really speaks to Gage's point. Well, and I was going to say, like, I mean, you certainly don't want to see the Raiders do well, but I think one example, you know, possibly for the Chargers charging would be like, let's just say Tom Telesco goes to the Raiders and you actually start to see the draft start rolling in and they're, they are very successful, you know, uh, with Vegas and that Raiders. If that happens, I think there's a very real case where you can actually say that the the chargers are charging because telesco of all people is succeeding and drafting especially with a team like the raiders so i mean like that would add a lot of credence to the fact of that i cannot wait to see telesco and the raiders draft a punter in the first round that's what i'm waiting for is to see, uh, see Tory was it running Tory back Taylor? in the first round baby is it. yeah all right we appreciate every single person that joined us in the chat. Uh, it's it's been fun having all four. It has been. You know, it's kind of nice when Glenn and I are you know locked down with you know other duties like right. you know children and life. Yeah, Cam and I wouldn't know about that. No, right? 
Like, what? Cam's like, oh, it's the young people taking over. Cam, you're a year younger than me. <laughs> okay. But I just happened you're to You're in your look... upper 30s. But you know no. what? But you know what, though? I actually look younger, right? Like, I actually look younger. I don't actually have a, oh, great to my beard. I have it been beating looks like down my children. I can't help it. I'm just saying, if I'm old, so are you. Because you're you're younger than me. Mike, I've been beaten up. down by children. Clark. Yeah, absolute <laughs> booty cheeks. That's basically that's, that's... <laughs> All right. Again, we well, yeah. Again, we appreciate every single person joining us in the chat. Yep. Thank uh, you. Make sure great. you check out all the shows on the network. We have shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, I think we have three shows on Wednesday now because mm-hmm. Doc and uh, JT came back with their new show. Make sure you check that one out. Uh, that's a pretty cool show. They cover all Colorado sports, so it's pretty cool. Uh, oh, and welcome back to them, by the way. Thanks for coming back. Yay! Yeah, awesome. Well, and and I was just gonna say, uh, it's I, I'm in talks with him, and obviously I see Joey in the chat right now, but I'm actually talking about actually having him on mainly Broncos tomorrow. Uh, and so we can have the chance to dive a little bit more into the senior bowl. We can talk a little bit more about this quarterback position and get his thoughts, of course, about, you know, with what he's seeing down there in the senior bowl. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's certainly possibly coming here, uh, you know, tomorrow with the, the mainly Broncos and, um, make sure you tune into that. Yep. And just like Boana B said, the absolute best way that you can help the shows and the network is very simple. Just hit that like button, hit that thumbs up. That helps us more than anything else, and we would greatly appreciate you doing it. Also, make sure you check out uh, the shorts and the reels, because I promise you there's going to be an absolute booty cheeks one in there. I'm going to make sure <laughs> that there's one in there. So make oh, sure wait, wait, wait. Hold you're on. watching for that. Hold on. There's actually a lot of ways to interpret that. There one, there, there's, there, there's a way to interpret that, which would be, you know, the, the fact that, you know, Gage himself actually says the phrase booty cheeks, but we know in this day and age of actually saying booty cheeks, what you could be saying and people who are entering this conversation at the complete wrong time could just be saying that, you know what? That's what I live for. Yeah. It could be just simply saying, why are you saying <laughs> and promoting someone to go check out a short where Gage is talking or you know explaining booty cheeks? Like it but could see- be. Like, but, but no, like in my head, the real and the short is gonna have like n- all it's gonna be is just Gage going absolute cheek. <laughs> That's it. There's gonna be there's gonna, gonna be, be the shortest short. It's just gonna be absolute booty cheeks. That's it. Oh. But the, the point is, like you explain it like that, it's almost like whatever. Right? Because when someone says it's booty cheeks, you're basically saying that 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 short, that YouTube short that Gage will be is terrible. I might even add that into every single show's intros. Yeah. Just like no explanation, no nothing. Just absolute booty cheeks. That's it. That's the whole short. It's going to be great. So make sure you stay tuned for that, which I'll put out later tonight. Uh, (laughs) We appreciate everybody. We love Broncos country. We love the Broncos. We hate the Chiefs. Don't ever cheer for them. They suck. Peace. Fast lane when I pass in the street, bag of money in the passenger seat. Pimples been asking for me on the road from the west to the east. Way up, I might never come down, cause the coast's racking up the flame out. So high, I might never come down, so what, this is my lifestyle.